the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, these are the qualities that you need to look for in a leader's life. Does he live by what he teaches? However, you can also determine the genuineness of a man's teaching if he's willing to die for it. That's another test. And that's why Paul, I believe, says in verse 11, persecutions, suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. A friend was recently telling me about a conversation he had with his adult son. The friend told his son about an event in his own growing up years, and the son said, You never told me that before. My friend said he replied, You never asked me. I mentioned to my friend that his son didn't know to ask about that. We often don't know enough to ask the right questions. And that's especially true when looking for spiritual leaders or mentors. Who can we trust to lead us the right way? Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is guiding us in a study from 2 Timothy chapter 3 about surviving in difficult times. One of the difficulties faced in churches throughout the ages is choosing leaders. In verses 6 through 9, Paul describes some of the things we want to avoid in our leaders. But what should we seek? Let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy 3 and find out. Here's Pastor Steve. What if you were in the first century? You don't have a New Testament to check these things out. You only have an Old Testament. And maybe you're from a pagan background, you don't even have an Old Testament. How do you know someone's right or wrong? Well, you say uh, God will authenticate it through miracles. Well, that's, there's a truth to it. Paul said that he did the miracles of an apostle. That's right. But what if, what if these false teachers come along and they can do some miracles? How do you know? How do you know if he's real or if he's not? You don't have the Bible? The other guy's doing miracles too? Well, this is not uh, foolproof, but it is strong evidence. And there's two ways that you can uh, determine whether, and I don't say this is, this is 100% uh, accurate. However, it is so uh, reliable that God gives it here that you can test a man. I'm not saying the Bible's not accurate. I'm just saying that, that uh, there are some good, strong indications. The Bible is fully accurate, but there are some good, strong indications of whether a man is uh, a man you can follow by determining if his, tr- if his teaching is true or not. Now, today we can look at the Bible and we can examine, but back then, how do you know if what he's teaching is true? Two questions you need to ask. Does he live by what he teaches? False teachers will tell you to do things that they'll never do themselves. Does he live by what he teaches? And secondly, is he willing to suffer and, if need be, die for what he teaches? Let's look at that. He goes on to say in verse 10, you followed my teaching, and then he says, my conduct. Now he's going to give a list of, Paul's going to say, here's my life, Timothy. You followed my teaching, and you know how you know my teaching is true? Not just because I told you, you have followed my conduct. And the way it's constructed in the Greek should be my conduct, not just conduct. My conduct, my purpose, my all these other 
ways of putting it. My conduct. How do you know if a man is teaching the truth? Well, you look at the general behavior, his lifestyle. In other words, does he practice what he preaches? Paul didn't speak about sacrifice and contentment and, and then go out and demand a high salary so he can live in luxury. Paul wasn't like that. When Paul spoke about sacrifice, he spoke about sacrifice and he lived sacrifice. He didn't preach against immorality and then uh, have a prostitute on the side. And Paul spoke about godly living. He lived it. He didn't tell people to be servants while he made himself out to be a celebrity. And Paul could say to Timothy, Timothy, you have followed me. You have observed that. And you have seen that I have practiced what I have preached. Let me illustrate this. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, which is really the background to First and Second Timothy, because Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus, from which, uh, where he's writing to Timothy. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and following, Paul says, I know, and he's speaking to the elders now, they're gathered around him, good godly men, and he's warning them, I know that after my departure, savage wolves, beasts, are going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. The truth of that, of that statement is found in First and Second Timothy. That's what it's all about. False teachers coming in to draw people after themselves. He says, verse 30, from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. In other words, there'll be men in your midst who will start off by being good, but they're going to draw people away because they're going to turn out to be false teachers. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering the night and day for a period of three years. I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul was in their midst for three years. He didn't just write them letters. He didn't just say, watch me on television. He was there. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. But watch this in verse 33. Paul just lays his life out before them. And I, and I think Paul is, is simply saying here, remember the way I lived and follow it. Look at my life. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes in opposition and in contrast with the false teachers who will do that. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, you know what they did? He knelt down and he prayed with them all. And and look at verse 37. What was their response? They began to weep aloud. They embraced Paul and they repeatedly kissed him, which was a very normal ancient uh, thing to do in that world, that part of the world, grieving especially over the, over the word that he had spoken that they should see his face no more, and they were accompanying him to the ship. How do you get love like that? You know how you get love like that? You live a godly life before people. They knew his integrity, and they knew that he was real. And Paul was saying, look, you know how I labored. You know that I didn't come and take advantage of you. I'm not a religious huckster. I'm not, I don't have a religions game on the side, and, and I'm not doing a, a racket here. I mean, this isn't business to me. This is ministry, and they knew it, and they embraced him, and they kissed him, and they said, we don't want you to leave. So Paul says, Timothy, you have followed my conduct. False teachers don't practice what they tell others to do. They're, they're just into creature comforts. You say, how do you know that? Because they're lovers of self. Lovers of self don't live sacrificially. Lovers of self uh, tell others what to do, but they don't do it themselves. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, Timothy, you have followed my purpose. This refers to his aim in life, his motives, his spiritual ambitions. A leader that you want has the, has the right motives. What's the right motives? Remember what Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is what? 
Christ. That's it. To obey God's, God's will. He said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he says, I have a course before me. The only thing that really matters, not my life, but whether I finish this course. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, this book that we're reading, I have fought the good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. All that was important to Paul was obedience, glorifying God. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Paul said, whoa, may curses come down upon me if I don't obey, if I don't do what God's called me to do. When you're looking for a leader, try to discern his motives. You can't always know that. But as best you can, try to discern uh, if a pastor is trying to build a name for himself or whether he is trying to build you up in the faith. Whether someone is taking advantage of you or someone just has your best interests at heart. True godly men will not exploit you because their purpose is to glorify God, not exalt yourself, not to make a lot of money, not to become famous, that kind of thing. Then he goes on to say, my faith. You, you've seen my faith, Timothy. You've followed in my footsteps. You've seen my faith. You have observed. Paul trusted God to meet his needs. The false teachers did not trust God to meet their needs. They didn't have faith. Uh, they were money hungry. They were in for the money. What's a man's attitude, a woman's attitude towards money? Very important. Before you follow someone, find out what they, what they think about money. Find out if they have dollar signs in their eyes. And there are some men who seem to exhibit great faith. Sometimes not great faith at all. You know what it is? It's raw courage. Whether they were Christians or not, they just would have uh, uh, just uh, backbones of steel and they would be courageous men and courageous women. That is not necessarily faith. Faith is what Habakkuk demonstrated. Lord, I don't understand, but I'm looking to you for answers. That's faith. Then he says, Timothy, you've observed my patience. Paul's long-suffering towards aggravating people. That's how you know if a guy has patience or not. Anybody's cool with people they like, but what about people they don't like and they're aggravating people? The kind of person that you should follow is a person who is gracious and kind to those who disagree with him or her. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the bondservant of the Lord must not strive. They can disagree, but don't be disagreeable. Don't be nasty. Don't take things personally. Then he goes on to say, Timothy, you followed my love. Look for someone who cares about the welfare of others. Do they care about you? Or are you just a number, just a statistic? Is this person interested in you? Or is he interested in building an empire for himself? And I think here he means love for God as well. My love. Because when you love God, you will love people. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commands. And his, part of his commands are to love one another. Then he says, you followed my perseverance. Look for someone who endures even when things are going bad. How does he handle trying circumstances? That's very important. You really don't know a person, what they're like, until you see them in adversity, right? I mean, I found that out. I thought I had friends until we disagreed. Then I found that otherwise. You don't really know about someone until you see how they handle adversity. Everyone can smile when things are going great. It's the person who can smile when things are going horribly that you want to follow and still maintain some kind of spiritual stability. Now, these are the qualities that you need to look for in a leader's life. Does he live by what he teaches? However, you can also determine the genuineness of a man's teaching if he's willing to die for it. That's another test. And that's why Paul, I believe, says in verse 11, persecutions, suffering, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Now, why does he, why does he speak about persecutions, about suffering? Why does he do that? Because 
Well, let, let me back up here. Paul mentions three cities, Iconium, Antioch, and Lystra. And Timothy was a citizen of one of these cities, Lystra. They were all in one province. And Paul suffered a lot of places, but these were three uh, at the beginning of his ministry in a province called Galatia. And Timothy lived there, and Timothy would be very familiar with Paul's suffering, and uh, certainly in his city and maybe in the others. Let's, let's look at that. Let's turn to Acts chapter 14. I want you to see how important this is, because this is what Timothy's looking at, and he's got to figure out whether Paul is genuine or not. This is before, actually before Timothy followed Paul, but he certainly knew about Paul before uh, he ever followed him. Now, how would you evaluate a man like this? Let's read, starting at verse 8, Acts 14. And at Lystra there was sitting a certain man without strength and in his feet. He was lame from his mother's womb who had never uh, walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. And when the multitude saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And others understand they're talking about Greek mythology and all that. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Can you imagine what Paul is thinking in all of this? I mean, Paul's the last guy in the world who you want to do this to. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robes and they rushed out into the crowd crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? I mean, here they come to give a testimony for Christ and they're worshiping them. They're trying to lead them out of paganism and they're getting further into it. So they said, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you in order that you should turn from these things, these vain things, to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And verse 16 says, And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness, and that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and with gladness. And even saying these things, they with difficulty restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews, and when the Bible says Jews, it means Jewish leaders. It doesn't mean Jewish people in general. Jewish religious leaders came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the multitudes, they stoned Paul. I mean, talk about a fickle crowd. One minute they're worshiping him, the next minute they're, they're stoning him. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, if that happened to you and me, you know what? And we weren't dead. We probably would get up and say, I feel the Lord is calling me to Florida. And we'd leave. You know, it's winter, I, I just feel the call of the Lord to Florida, but not Paul. But while the disciples stood around him, he arose and entered the city. This guy's a glutton for punishment, he goes back. And the next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derby. And, and watch this, and after they had preached the gospel to that city, that is Derby, and it made many disciples, they returned where? To Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, the same group that had just left him for dead. What did he do? He strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> that is heavy. That is amazing. Anyone who'd risk their life like this has to be real. That's the point. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. You saw it happen. 
Whether Timothy was a believer at that point or not is, is not the point, not the issue. But what he's saying is, Timothy, you saw what I did. Why would I do that? False teachers don't risk their lives for error. True teachers risk their lives for the truth. That's, that's really a marvelous truth to grab hold of. False teachers aren't into suffering for what they believe. They are self-indulgent. They're self-centered. They don't care about principles they teach. They don't care enough to suffer for them. It's a matter of convenience. It's out of character to suffer and let alone be willing to die for it. But Paul suffered, and it indicated his godliness. You know why? Look at verse 12. And indeed, and he's just carrying the thought a step further, and indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Godly people suffer. And Paul is saying, I suffered, therefore, Timothy, you have a pattern of godliness in me. By the way, there's a note of encouragement in verse 11, and out of all of them, that is persecutions, the Lord delivered me. I think that's just an encouragement to Timothy, that Timothy, he can deliver you too. But I think his major emphasis here is that, Timothy, I wouldn't risk my life for something that's not true. I know it's true. Godly people suffer. John 15 and John 16, marvelous truths that Jesus gave about suffering, and I've spoken many times on them. Jesus said, since the world hated me, it's going to hate you. And Paul is just amplifying this. Those who desire to live godly, if you desire to live godly, and you're out amongst people, and you're not hibernating somewhere, and you're not isolated from from the real world, you are occasionally going to suffer for your faith. And it doesn't mean all the time. It means seasonal, from time to time, not all the time, you will suffer. If a Christian does not suffer, either he is not living godly or he is living in such a way that he never rubs shoulders with anybody but other Christians. A man who has suffered for what he teaches is a man who is not a compromiser. Understand that. He's got convictions and he is determined to do God's will, even if it costs him his life. Listen, why do you think Paul's in prison? Why do you think he's writing this letter? Because he's about to die, and he's writing Timothy from a Roman dungeon. And he was there because he preached the truth, and he was willing to die for the truth. Men don't die for something they know to be falsehood. They denounce it. And obedient, godly Christians will always suffer. That will never end. That is an eternal truth until the church age ends, and then in the tribulation, other believers just carry that banner. Because look at verse 13. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is the reason why persecution of godly Christians won't cease, because evil men and impostors, and the word impostors really means a, a sorcerer, a magician. And he's speaking of the false teachers. It's not going to get any better. It's the same thing he said in verse 1. In the last days, difficult times will come. You will always have persecution. You will always have ungodly people who will persecute you, and you will always suffer. You know why? Because they're going to get worse and worse. They're going to dig deeper into sin. That's why today, 2,000 years later, we look at society, and you say, well, people have always sinned, but never this intensely. Uh, you, You have to just about turn off some commercials on television. It's that bad. 
persecution is inevitable because the persecutors are going to get worse. Sin just gets worse and worse and more intense. They'll go forward. The word here in verse 13, imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will proceed. It means they'll advance. They'll get worse. They'll, they'll press forward. Not in their success in gaining converts. He's already said that in verse 9. However, in their moral deterioration, man is not evolving. He is getting worse. Give him time and he will get worse and worse. But while they, and here's the irony, while they progress in evil by deceiving others, look at the, look at the end of verse 13. It says they are deceiving and being deceived. That's the irony. While they progress in getting evil and their evil is they deceive others, part of their evil, they in turn will end up being deceived. Why? It probably means that by deceiving others, they eventually lose their ability to distinguish between truth and error, and they end up getting deceived by others. The consequences of deception are deception. I, um, I know people who are so sneaky and so dishonest that they end up creating more problems for themselves. They so try to deceive others that they end up being deceived because they can't tell truth from error anymore. I know someone very well like that, that this person's whole life is characterized by, by cheating people and deceiving them. And the irony, and if it wasn't so sad, it would be laughable, is that this person always, gets up, always ends up getting cheated because he cannot distinguish anymore between what is truth and what is error and what he does to others Others do right back to him. So, you want to survive these days? You want to have uh, some type of spiritual victory? You must have a model of godly behavior. A model of godly behavior. And God has provided you with choice people. That, that's one reason why in a uh, local church, the form of church government that the Bible teaches is a plurality of pastors. Plurality. Our elders need to be models to you. They're not, they should not be an elder. If I'm not, I should not be an elder. Doesn't mean perfection. Notice he says in verse, uh, in verse 12, they desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean they're always gonna live godly, but they desire to. You can handle a man who desires to, but doesn't always cut it. And someone who's a hypocrite, that's different. But you, you need to understand, God has provided people all around you who are models for you. Observe them, get close to them. Elders, deacons, deaconesses, a Bible study leader, a flocks leader, a Sunday school teacher, a fellow worker. God has provided them, but it's your responsibility to follow them. You've got to get close to them. You've got to get to know them. Don't expect them to always get close to you. They've got a lot of people who want to get close to them. You've got to get to know them. Find, as that man years ago told me, the godliest person you know and try to make him your best friend because you're going to be like him. You're going to be like somebody. And to survive in difficult days, you've got to be like godly people. Next... Uh, Next time we look at 2 Timothy, we're going to see the other provision that God has, and that's the Word of God, and that's, that's what balances it all out, because you've got, you got to find somebody who's going to be in accord with Scripture. These truths are so practical, but you've got to do something about it. You have got to apply it to your life. Will you determine in your heart at least to begin praying for someone who you can follow, get close to? Timothy had his Paul. Titus had his Paul Others had their Peter, and still others had, had Timothy. Will you reach out? Will you reach out and pray to the Lord for him to provide someone who can model for you what you need modeled? Because you'll be like them. Pupil will be like the teacher. Be like them. But don't follow the wrong people. 
Too many Christians get messed up following the wrong people. Don't follow negative people. Don't follow critical people. Follow the kind of people that Paul says uh, he was to Timothy, and every leader should be like this. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we are almost out of time for today's program, but I do ask that you'd help us make wise choices in selecting the people we follow as individuals and as congregations. Amen. Well, that just about wraps up our class for today. Thanks for tuning in to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We invite you to stop in some Sunday. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For more information, call the church at 727-441-1714 or visit lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is made possible in part by generous gifts from listeners like you. We have giving information on our website, versebyverseradio.org, or call the church office at the number I just gave, 727-441-1714. Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message. You can also call the office to ask for a free CD with the entire message, or stream or download any broadcast at our website, versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. For 22 years, I made aluminum beverage cans. If the aluminum stock coming into the factory had even the smallest hole or speck of impurity, it would cause a jam in the machinery that could shut the line down for an hour or more and cost hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars. The integrity of the aluminum was absolutely essential, and it is just as essential in our spiritual leaders, even more so. Pastor Steve will tell us more about that on the next Verse by Verse. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.